Hey everybody, we are back with another episode of Can't Stop Snapping, a podcast all about things Marvel Snap. Uh, we have a great episode for you today. We're going to be talking Living Tribunal, New Location, uh, and some other things. We're going to be talking meta, and we're going to be talking about some some changes and surprises. And so I'll leave that as a tantalizing uh, taster for the end of the podcast, uh, the things we'll be getting to. But I am joined by two returning guests. I am joined by Teddy Ninja. Hey, coming. pleasure to be here. And by Bratsford. Brad, glad to have you back. Oh, well. Uh, you guys were both on about a month ago at the same time. And so we are, the three of us, back at it here again. Uh, and we're going to dive right in. So we have multiple things we want to talk about today. Uh, first of which is the Living Tribunal. So Living Tribunal is a six-cost, six-power card with an ongoing ability that splits all of your power from all your locations across the board evenly. So uh, we've known about this card. I think this was in the original, like, cards that were unreleased. I think we've oh, yeah. known about this for, like, nine months or something crazy. Like, this has been one of those ones where everybody was like, when is this coming? This is, feels, like, so unique and kind of a crazy ability. Will this be a big bad, like, Galactus and, like, Thanos? Um, one thing I just want to note before we dive into the conversation, kind of a nuance of how his ability works. At least this is how I've seen it working. You guys correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, he will add up the power at the three locations and then divide it evenly, but round down. Does that sound right? So there's a split. If you have, it'll round up or down depending on where the split is. So if you have, um, what would be the, the example? If you've so got he, nine total power, it splits three evenly. If you have 10, it rounds down. If you have 11, it rounds up. Okay. So it's, if it, so it rounds to whatever's the closest, yes. lower or higher. Okay. Yes. And it's actually, the locations are not keeping track of a hidden decimal. So if it's rounding down, it'll truly be tied. It's not like if they have the same power, you have a tiebreaker there. It's truly lost. Yeah. I think that was just one of those nuances until we saw the card in action. Yeah. Right. We didn't know how that was going to work out. We've but never seen something like this. Yeah. Uh, we will turn it over to you guys. Brad, I want to hear your thoughts first. Uh, what's been your impressions thus far of the Living Tribunal? Um, so I haven't gotten the card yet. Uh, it's one of those where it's like, it's not a big bad, thankfully. Uh, so I'm not super pressured to get it. I'm having a lot of fun with, you know, high evolutionary and stuff and iron lad still. So I'm kind of cool with that. But from what I have seen, uh, the list that I think seem the most abundant are going to be like Hella. Uh, I think that actually is a really nice way to round out that kind of deck because I already despise Hella as a deck in general because of the RNG factor of it. I don't like yeah. playing it. I, I don't think it's good. Um, but uh, this allows you to have a little bit more control over that RNG, I guess, a little bit, because the problem yeah. was even when you got Hella to go off in the past, maybe your Infinite goes mid when it should have gone left, and maybe you just, everything stacks to one or two lanes that, like, don't help you, and you're like, and your opponent's like, wow, if that card went there, I would have lost, but it didn't. Now, if you pull out, uh, you know, Living Tribunal with this, it disperses everything evenly, which should, based on what the deck is trying to accomplish, win you, a, you know, a game pretty easily. Um, the other thing is I think this card has the most potential to be one of the most surprising turn six plays in Marvel yes. Snap. Because I know when we're all playing, we look at, like, the board state going into turn six, we're like, okay... Do I lose a Doctor Doom here? What happens if they have a Magneto? What are they pulling here? Um, do they have a Jeff to go into this lockdown location or whatever? Stuff like that, right? But this is a lot more difficult to account for as far as math goes, a Living Tribunal. And I wouldn't be shocked to see just random decks slotted in just to see like if a good stuff deck might make, might make it work or something like that. Uh, maybe some like ramp style deck like a uh, Electro Sandman stuff. That might be good enough just because, like, I, I can see this throwing a lot of people off. But the card looks cool. I just don't know how good it is yet. Yeah, it's, uh, we don't, you laid it out perfectly, right? We have kind of these questions we ask ourselves on the last uh, turn of the game or, you know, like, will I win in this scenario, this scenario, this scenario, this scenario? A scenario we haven't had to worry about is if I add up all these numbers across the board plus six and then divide it by three, will I lose the game, right? <laughs> uh so you know, yeah. gamers, you know, we're all really good at math, right? We know that. So uh, <laughs> uh, this just makes that a little trickier. But uh, Teddy, want to hear your thoughts on Living Tribunal? Yeah, yeah. So I do own him. I've been doing some testing, got some videos out. Um, do you have him blue? 
No, I, I okay. have like 15,000 credits, but I'll, I'll get there in a second. I'll, I'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah. my logic in a so second. Yeah. Have either of you guys seen it played against you? Or are you like, yes. it seems, okay, you have seen it? And, and I've played it with, I think I've gone it twice from like random locations. Oh, really? Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Have you seen it at all, Brad? Because my experience is nobody's playing it against me. I've been solo running it. Uh, I've seen it twice. Ever. Okay. Um, okay. The majority cool. of what I've seen is uh, from uh, Bootman. Uh, yeah, yeah. What he's been doing on Twitter and stuff like that with uh, with the deck. And again, it's mostly Hella stuff. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <it's cool>. <laughs> yeah. My read is that he's going to be very niche. He's in an incredibly dangerous place to balance because if you just add power to him. It's naturally pushing people to think about deck building around Iron Man and then these huge wombo combos where adding one power could really be adding four power depending on the combo state that you're looking at. If you're looking at an Onslaught Iron Man kind of situation, he's just going to be so vulnerable to all these different kinds of control. Everything I've seen from him is that's able to use him well is having a lot of energy cheat scenarios i've been running him in lockjaw which is a similar idea to the hello where you can definitely win the lockjaw lane but how do you get that power elsewhere it's living tribunal and getting him for free really really helps because all of these decks that build up a huge combo of one location with an unstoppable power that then gets distributed really die if you then ask them to play an extra six cost card so i don't think we're going to see too much of him i don't feel like he is that competitive in the current state that he's in the idea of playing him in a lockdown deck where you've got Storm has closed off a location, then surprise, I actually have an even spread of power, which you were not ready to to counter at this stormed off location is interesting, but he's so low tempo coming into the final turn. You have to produce a lot earlier to make up for it. I just don't feel like there's enough decks out there right now to really take advantage. Yeah, yeah, a lot of things. Uh uh, like both of you, I, you know, I've seen a couple people trying out different things with this, but the main one I've seen, Hella, looks. I mean, I don't disagree with you, Brad. I used to play Hella so much in the beta, and I haven't played be- uh, you know Hella decks in like seven or eight months at this point. But like, it just, it just, it's just kind of stupid and silly. Like when it, it goes off, like you lay down the Invisible Woman, then maybe you get another card down, but Modok on five and Hella on six behind yeah, the Invisible Woman. Exactly. And then just you're you're discarding uh, Which, Iron Man, Infinite, like mm. yeah. And when it comes to that deck, though, you would think like, hey, a three card combo across a two cost, a five cost, and a six cost. That's not hard to get. It's surprisingly <laughs> really hard to line up yeah. in this game, and it's so that's part of the reason it's so frustrating because it's like. Do I play the Hell Cow or something like that? Like you really can only play like, it, uh, yeah, like, like yeah, you can only play like Lady Sif if you have Death in hand to like make sure you protect uh, your Hell from getting discarded. Um, it, it's just that centered around that one card when the entire point of the deck wants to discard things, and you're like either I don't want her in my hand early so I don't discard her, or I want to, and then I have to draw her at the perfect time, or I have to get the Invisible Woman down. It's really frustrating as a deck uh I, th- I don't think it's a just it's just not good i wish it was yeah. yeah for sure it's so it's so hard to get together and then when you are hitting your combo it feels like living tribunal is almost a win more scenario for hella like you're saying there is an inconsistent element of sometimes the hella cards just don't align for you which is really unfortunate but often they are going to align and then the same thing with i've seen some mr negative postulation on being able to use living tribunal there when you have the freedom to be able to lay down an iron man and a mystique together possibly inverted and just blow up power on one location it's again if you if you're hitting that kind of negative combo you should be able to win anyway. So run something else like another uh, Zola in there instead of the 6-6 on the Living Tribunal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's an interesting card. I, I love, like, the look of the character and, like, the variance and, like, the effect, you know, the face over the screen. So, like, yeah. I just feel like they've been knocking it out of the park lately with, like, the new cards, the new sound effects and yes. their visual effects. And it, uh, it's just been fun to see that. Um, I really was debating yesterday. I was just like, I, you know, I was just like burning a hole in my to, you know, my token wallet. I was uh-huh. just like, I was like doing the math. I'm like, okay, if I buy him, it puts me down to this much. And like, we know we're getting two cards next month straight into series four. Yes. So like, if I get all my tokens next month, like I could still buy every card next month. I'm like, but I, do I even want to do that? You know, like, I don't know. <laughs> right. But I was, I was trying to talk myself into it, that it was like a wise, you know, <laughs> financial decision with my tokens. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, 
and it was fun to watch people sit, you know, play, but then it's like for every game they were winning with like 50 power across each location, location they were like retreating or like not winning yeah. an equal amount yeah. of games, right? Oh, so, yeah. um, you know, I think somebody I was watching today kind of said it well, just like, you know, if you're wanting to focus on like, quote unquote, the most competitive cards, this probably isn't the card. But, like, jury's still out of, like, just what is the level and consistency of Living Tribunal in the current state with future cards, etc. There may be, you know, something that floats to the top or to kind of a lower tier play in the meta. But most likely it won't be something we ever see grace the very top, right? Yeah. Just, it is which also I think, worth... I think uh, it's intentional. Yeah. Not every card I don't think they want running straight to the top of the meta. It can uniquely abuse certain hot locations. Um, if there's a location that is generating extra power for free for you, you can tech a deck that's going to be able to bring in Iron Man to get the doubling and then Living Tribunal to just pop off. So even though it's a reciprocal effect, or what would be especially interesting is if we get a card that could generate a location that's then giving you power for free, um, mm. potentially to both sides, but you have the ability to really capitalize here and then Living Tribunal to spread the power. So there, I think there's definitely design space in the future, but right now it's really hard to justify. Yeah. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I think this has been a, a good month. We've had a lot of interesting cards, right? Iron Lad has seen a lot of plays still. Howard the Duck, not so much. Uh, <laughs> High Evolutionary, Living Tribunal. They and even then sold Howard the Duck for an extra two days. Yeah. <laughs> still doesn't uh, come around. And obviously Nebula as a season pass card. So overall, wow, I think it's been yeah. a fun, like, cosmic. It feels like it's been so long. I mean, it's one of the five-week seasons yeah. which we don't have every month, which is probably why it feels so much longer to me. Do, do you guys think, um, and I, I mean this in the sense of like it's both very powerful and balanced, is Nebula just the best season pass card we've ever had? No. Are you, are you kidding? We're talking about Zabu and Silver Surfer? What are you talking about? You, didn't, talking about you, didn't hear my, you didn't hear my statement. Listen to what I said again. The best season as pass As far card? as something that's the best season, yes. Oh, gotcha. What I preface with as, is being both powerful and balanced. That means Zabu, mm. Surfer, and Wave are not eligible for this conversation because they've all been changed because they had something fundamentally broken about them that gotcha. needed to be changed. No, I so, think Nebula is too strong. <laughs> I think that she's probably going to get nerfed. Her power level seems to be like just edging out other one costs. Honestly, I would post really? Jill- I, I would put Sunspot up like um, quite a bit. And I yeah. think Kitty. I mean, I, I Kitty Pride. Sure. I think it's I think it's the like that's the trio, right? Yeah. It's like you're playing Sunspot, you're playing Kitty, or you're playing Nebula, right? Yep. Um and then you might be playing Spider Ham, but otherwise as a one cost, you're in a incredibly competitive market. I right think Spider Ham's gonna be bad. <laughs> I really you think Spider Ham's actually gonna be it, bad? Because it hits the it only hits a single cost, right? It hits the highest card. The yep. or highest yeah, highest cost card in your hand. Yep. Or is the highest power. Which which highest cost. Yeah. And so like you could just end up re like hitting the same thing over and over again if you have like multiples of it doing copying and stuff like that or like oh, bouncing certainly. and stuff like that. You get um, diminishing I, returns on multiple plays, right? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's that impactful. I could be wrong, but it makes me think of like Baron Mordo in a sense of like you make them draw a card, but it's the you know it becomes their highest cost card. Right. I don't know. It's it's uh it's a little bit of a give and take that I don't think is as good as uh other cards might be. I, I, I will put a pin in it. And when we get to the uh, the meta talk, we'll look at how many decks want to use an ability on their highest cost card. <laughs> but I, I would put up like Miles Morales, maybe as one of the best season pass cards, like a very nice point generator. Now, it's, it's sad that movement has had no other support. Um, we're going to have to see where movement falls after next season. But mm-hmm. I feel like Miles Morales landed in a really great spot. Um, a lot of other battle pass cards have had to get seen buffs like Thor way back in the day. Nick Fury hasn't yeah. really been around. You guys aren't playing Nick Fury decks. <laughs> that, that's just me. Yeah, yeah. I have uh, a I have a battle mode. Uh, all Agents of Shield uh, deck ah, I nice. like to play just for fun. The like, X Factor all, is like, good yeah, there. It's yes, Quinjet, uh, Nick Fury. Uh, it's it's all the the good stuff. Hel- and it, it's just funny. Yeah, Helicarrier. Yeah. I I do. I have I, the I have a a package. For the helicarrier, I throw basically everything else is on theme. It's all you know, shield agents or people that are part of shield in some way, yeah. which I even throw in Goose and uh, Captain Marvel just because there is a little bit of tie in yeah, there. Yeah, fair enough. 
because um, also you're running out of slots uh, to figure out at that point. There's only so many uh, characters. Yeah. But then I have uh, Ghost Rider, who also does have involvement with S.H.I.E.L.D., by the way. Sure, sure. He has worked with S.H.I.E.L.D. And then I have, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lady Sif to yeah. discard uh, the uh, Helicarrier and then you know, get it back, Ghost Rider. So that's, that's always really nice. Nice. There's a little, little wobble combo. The deck yep. is horrible, by the way, but it's so much fun. It is the most fun deck to play because you get it's all random cards. Yeah, yeah. I like I like those uh, kind of. I've built a couple decks that just like are all the same variant, like style or things like that. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's very little synergy. All pixels, right? maybe. I, <laughs> I have like 35 Dan Hip cards. Oh, I've been kind of wow. focused on collecting the Dan that's Hip a lot. cards. Yo. Yeah. I um I've been like buying it every time one comes to my are shop. Like, so like, there are thirty five in the game. Yeah, he's one of the most prolific. And behind Pixel. I, I know, but he also has so many that are unreleased. Like the there's like that's true. That's true. With, the, with all the unreleased ones, it's like a hundred or something crazy. Wow, like it's like the man so is a machine. My hope, well, maybe my hope and my curse, right? Is like I hope there's one for every card in the future because I'd love to have them all. But then like. That's I mean, a lot of gold they're, they're for a lot of, of areas. There kind of is, right? Like, uh, like a lot of the unreleased ones, like we've we've seen. Um, yeah. But yeah, and also my favorite is when there's uh, he has them for cards that are also unreleased in general, like the Blob, for example. There's a Dan oh, Hip yeah. of it already. Yep. And yeah. which also looks hilarious, by the way. Dan Hip is it's such a double-edged sword. It either looks really great for like the the color palette, the character, and the overall design, and in that art style, or it looks. Like the crystal variant, like really, really like a Picasso uh-huh. like uh, painting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I opened that one thankfully. I uh, did too. Instead of purchasing it, so that made me feel a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> That's the one you save for the very end. Yeah. That's the yeah. last one you get. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, um, I don't. I, we've gone through a couple topics here, which is which is totally fine. Uh, just tying back to the Living Tribunal before we close out, I think. Uh, interesting card for sure i probably like one of the ones i've been most excited for to like see in action but now that i've seen him in action i don't think i'm gonna buy him yet i think i'm gonna wait because i think i'm gonna be a little more excited to try out buying multiple cards next month and just see what happens with move i mean we've been alluding to that but uh interested to see kind of what the possibilities are with some of the cards next month but uh, we will continue on here to our next topic, which is a new location, which we don't have every week, but we did have this week. Uh, at time of recording, it's got about 20 minutes left of being a featured location. Uh, how have you guys felt about the last 24 hours of Deep Space, which is a location that removes essentially all text from any card? Yeah. Why uh, is Luke Cage bugged with it, by the way? No, oh, and Colossus and, and Super Colossus. Scroll. <laughs> I have why? no idea why those cards specifically just fritz out, but it's really annoying. And then they posted on the official Marvel Snap Discord, please don't play these cards to improve your experience. Like, that's telling a subset of the community, I play these cards. <laughs> to make my opponents retreat. It's a, like, it's a dangerous the, game. The more cards you have, if you play Luke Cage on there, yeah. it's, it pulsates for every card on the board yes. every time a card does something. Not even just when something is played, every time something does something. <laughs> so you get to the late game and Luke Cage is pulsating like... 30 times and like it just adds another like essentially seven turns to the game yes it's horrible <laughs> other than that though i love the location i think the location's awesome it's literally in my mind it's just stats are the only thing that matters here yeah. if you have something big play it there cool feels bad if you're playing you know the new high evolutionary hulk on there and stuff like that right you don't get the extra boost or like null or whatever but Oftentimes, you can safely be like, I'm going against a bounce deck. They can't do their hit monkey stuff there. They can put Kitty Pride there and I guess maybe Mysterio. But other than that, I think I can outpower them for the most part. So I, I think that, I think it's a great location. It's not restrictive in the sense of like, you can't play anything here, which those suck for the game. But it's rest- restrictive in a way that you have to think about it a little bit more. Yeah, funny you mentioned the bounce deck. Uh, I didn't necessarily do bounce, but I did have Kitty and I had Mysterio. Uh, I played a kind of Sarah control deck with Mysterio and Kitty and mm-hmm. Lizard, all kind of that package of low-cost cards, Bishop, Angela, but then also things like uh, Killmonger and Shang-Chi. Um, and I went from, I think I was at 83 yesterday to 100 today. Uh, Congratulations on the internet. So, yeah, I made it to Infinite about Let's two go. or three hours ago. Uh <laughs> 
And uh, I don't think it was only the location, but I think just like what I would do, right? It was like lizard go there, obviously, right? Because then it's just yeah. five stats for two costs, and then just build up my kitty somewhere else on Angela a bunch of times, and like Bishop there, and then just slap down kitty there, kind of on the last turn of the game, right? And uh, you know, I was probably playing a lot of bots along there. I know I was playing some humans, but I just it seems like there's been more bots kind of on uh, on ranked as as I've been playing this last season, but. Yeah, it uh, it worked out really well for me. Um, just people were playing other things. I saw a lot of people still playing the high evolutionary stuff. Yep. And it's just like, yeah, if you throw Misty Knight and, you know, uh, uh, Cyclops or stuff down here, it's like, yeah, you get the stats, but you kind of miss out on the purpose of what your deck is doing, right? Exactly. So, so it's actually, yeah, it was a great 24 hours for me personally with this location. I, you know, nice. uh, I like that it's kind of that, um, there's like a restriction, right? Cause it's kind of like, okay, you can't leverage your abilities here, but it doesn't stop you from playing the game or like trying to play around it or kind of, you know, build a deck. That's kind of fun. Cause like I've seen a lot of people playing Ebony Maw the last 24 hours, things like that. Cause you throw Ebony Maw down here on the first three turns of the game. And then you just got seven stats and you don't have as negative side effect. Right. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys have been trying to play anything specific personally, or you have you just seen other decks played a lot uh, with this location? Oh yeah, I mean, I went straight to my Sauron Tempo deck, checked it out. I'm on version 3.0 of that deck now, with uh, including Shuri and Taskmaster, who don't benefit from the location, but everything else in the list really loves it. So you can really pop off with those efficient stats. I saw Atuma getting played, which was fantastic, and then also Patriot. I mean, I'm kind of waiting for the Patriot Storm on the meta. Maybe my read is a little bit warped right now because I played in the snap-offs on Friday and so many competitors were bringing Patriot. Maybe there's a factor that he's a little bit better in the the battle mode setup than on ranked, or that's what people think right now. But uh, he was well-represented, performed excellently, and obviously this location caters to him. Um, so the Patriot decks are popping off. Yeah. This location doesn't work with Patriot. Yeah, well, yes, but if you're playing cards with no abilities anyway, you don't care if you're losing out on the ability. But it is true. It's it's worth to point out, if you play a card with an ability to deep space, it will not get buffed by Patriot. It it still has its text. That text is just not having an effect. Um, Which I had to find out the hard way with that. Uh, (laughs) Take those cubes. Yeah, the hard way on ranked. No no battle mode, no practice mode. Here we go. It's all live. Yeah, yeah, tricky stuff. Um, you know, they've said that I, I honestly, I like for me, I don't know if you guys feel this way. I am like forgetting when a new location is coming. It used to be like yeah. new location every week. I was very present, thinking about it all the time. I was like, oh, what's the new one gonna be? We're gonna have it for 48 hours. Now it's like it's like the day before the day of I'm like, oh yeah, like new yep. location today. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but uh I guess I'm just like not feeling like disappointed by it or like hyped up about it or anything. It's just kind of like, Oh, it's here. I'm going to play for the day. And uh, then it's over. So um, I talked about this. I may, maybe people listening are going to be like, wow, he, he just talks about the same thing about locations every other week. But I guess I just like feel like for better, or for worse, when we were having more locations more frequently, it felt like something more the community talked about. And it was like this like talking point and something we all kind of celebrated or commiserated together in. Uh, and now it just like, you know, I, people aren't necessarily like talking about it as much. Right. Like I, I haven't seen like, oh, everybody talking about deep space a ton, like as yeah. much as previous locations. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything there. If you guys have any thoughts agreeing, disagreeing there, but. Um, it, yeah, I mean, the commiseration just dragged on and on when it was releasing, especially for 48 hours. And so trimming it down to 24 people now, I mean, they'll have their take on it. But they'll if they're not happy with it, they'll just be like, I'll do my dailies and that's it today. And they feel like they have that freedom. And so I think in terms of when locations released that were really warping the ranked meta and you didn't have a escape into another game mode, it was unhealthy for the community because people would check out. And then once you have people checking out and not engaging with the game as much for even a day, the amount of retention that you lose in these kind of games is a lot. So yeah. toning it down, it does mean that it's like there's not much huzzah. There's not many um, much content being made around it. That used to be my weekly content. I would make a guide for every single hot location. I might feature 
three different decks that would help you just to help everybody who had like whatever um, collection size. I would stay up late as soon as the location revealed to get footage for it and then release it in like the early morning hours because then it could run for the 48 hours. But I don't do that any, anymore with 24 hours to run. It's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So uh, interested to see what they what they do with it there and um, and then just if there's any changes going forward in the future. Um Let's continue on here, though. Uh, I want to talk about our next topic, which is uh, this picture's really small. So if we all just, you know, get our uh, <laughs> magnifying glasses out. Sorry about that. Uh, I want to just talk about state of the meta. So this is the latest tier list. Uh, you know, people using Marvel Snap Zones tracker and different decks that are being used over the last week. And some of these, you know, have slightly different builds. Uh, like it may say the name of one, but obviously you may there may be different iterations that have one or two cards switched out here. Sure. Um, but at tier one, tier two, we didn't see any change based on the data. We've got Sarah control, which is what took me to infinite over the last, or to infinite, to infinite. Uh, they should change infinite, the to that. Yeah, yeah they yeah. should. I, it's so funny. That's been, like, I was thinking about that yesterday. I was like, I like said it in my head by accident and now I can't like say it right. Uh, uh, took me to infinite today. Um, and then, and then we have kind of tier two has stayed similarly, other than high evolutionary kind of finding its place in the current stats. And then we have some kind of things up and down. So, um, my first question, I want to. There's probably a couple talking points right here. Um, Sarah has been in the same state for a really long time, and I love Sarah as a card. Yeah. Do you guys expect or think there needs to be any kind of change to Sarah? Because it seems like Sarah has always been put in check by cards that benefit from Sarah being changed instead of Sarah being changed. Um, Brad, I want to go to you first. Do you, what are your thoughts on Sarah? Do you think there's a change needed? Do you expect a change, et cetera? Um, I mean, at the moment, I, I don't uh, expect a change, nor should I think there should be. Um, my thing is when it comes to these tier lists, I, I think tier lists are very cool. I think tier lists have a, a great place in any competitive game whatsoever as a wonderful tool for players to use and members of the community to use, whether it's for decks they want to try out and play or trying to uh, kind of uh, metagame the meta itself, figure out how to counter all these decks. I wouldn't say they are that accurate of a representation of what the meta actually is, because especially in Marvel Snap's case, more so than any other game, because if you go look at like Steam numbers, which are pretty much primarily the only way you can get these uh this data i know untap's doing the um the mobile version for on yeah android, they just got that right? out uh so we'll see how many people on android do that but overall you're looking around ten thousand active players on steam pc and stuff like that any given time um it's actually even gone down a little bit this month as far as steam's concerned Whereas looking at estimated numbers, which we don't have the legitimate actual numbers, but estimated numbers from various uh, third-party companies looking into mobile games, stuff like that in general, put Marvel Snap around 500k active users um, and around 900k act, uh, total players, which again, 500 of those is active, which if that's even close to being accurate, the disparity between the data that we have versus the, the, the data that Second Dinner actually has is night and day it's not even close which i guarantee you, looking at the data the second dinner has you can take every single win rate every single cube rate of all the decks that you see on this tier list here and any other tier list you see any other content creator website or whatever talk about knock off 10 points easily and that's probably the accurate representation of each deck because you have to remember the average person it's not very good at games like this even the ones that even climb to higher <laughs> ranks it's even true for them. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah like I, I've, there are average players, just dead on average, that can reach the 80s, 90s, and even infinite on a yeah, good yeah. season, especially with the changes they've made now. Yep. Sarah Control, I think, Myself, works as a nice... <laughs> uh, Sarah Control herself is, is a nice, flexible deck that I think should exist in the meta, because I don't think it's oppressive. No one's sitting there going, damn, this Sarah Control deck is just like, I, I hate playing against it, because it's all fair good cards they don't get to benefit from sarah herself until turn five and even then it's not like quinjet where you have the zero cost thing with you know thanos uh, and the stones they are minimum one and then at the very least you're still only putting out things like 
Killmonger to get your Nova. You're putting out a couple, like a, a Sentinel or two, if you've you know been able to. That's only three power each. There. There's the Kitty Angela thing. If you're doing the bounce route and stuff like that, there's Mysterio. Yes, you can get a big output of power, but that doesn't mean you're always going to win. And variations of locations can really change that. Sarah's just a nice, flexible deck that has a lot of tech cards, and works in any kind of meta because that's how it's supposed to be. You just slot things in and out depending on what you're going against, what the meta is showing. Overall, that's not unhealthy at all, and I yeah. and I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a solid take. Um, kind of second thought with all of this, uh, just looking kind of at the at the list here. Uh, we'll go to you first, Teddy. We were talking about this last week. Yep. Um, High evolutionary, right? So. We all saw, right? The first couple of days of High Evolutionary, that was all you played, right? Back uh, you to were, back. We, were all, we were all playing it. Everybody was playing it yeah. against you. Seemed like a card that like everybody was buying, right? It was one oh, of those yeah. cards everybody was waiting and knew it was going to be a big bad, etc. Um, how are you seeing things with High Evolutionary after a week? Uh, I've seen it simmer down a little, but yeah. I want to hear, hear your experience. You've been in Infinite for the whole last week, right? So yes. what are you seeing there? Uh, for sure dropping down in the um the excitement people are kind of distilling the list into the the lockjaw dracula really playing around hulk hulk is the huge winner here out of high evo it seems um the other pieces seem to be a little bit um not not uh playing around the abomination as much which i'm a little surprised i think it's still a good route to go but i think people got burned by how much luke cage was being represented in the early days so we could still see yet another evolution of evolutionary I think that it is going to distill down more. And I think it's pretty fair to say that he's a tier two deck. His Achilles heel is being incredibly predictable. Coming in with that six energy locked up in the Hulk on the final turn. They're like, I know what's coming. And if you can only affect one location, I can definitely play around that. Or depending on the initiative order, catch you out by clipping the uh, the Hulk with the Shang-Chi or something on that final turn. Or if it's getting cheated out early, you have a lot of vulnerability to control there. So I think it's fair that he's here in tier two. Um, I think a couple, the list will get condensed a little bit more. I'm looking at this and I'm saying, where is my purple man with all the stones? Thanos is nowhere to be found. <laughs> are we just down on Thanos as a meta share right now? Or are people feeling like he's actually fallen off? I think Thanos is still great. I'm surprised that he is, uh, doesn't have a list here. Yeah. Um, I'd be interested to hear Brad, your thoughts on that. I mean, I definitely have seen way less Thanos. Yeah. Uh, I personally been playing Thanos less over the last month, but I, I mean, there were some changes, right? We had some yep. changes, Quinjet, some of the stones changed, etc. But I don't think like Thanos is bad either. I think it's just like, we've all been excited and focused on other things. That's my, that's my take, right? It's like, yeah. From Nebula this month, the Iron Lad, everybody's like, well, I'm going to go do stuff with Iron Lad, right? And it's like, you don't want to play Iron Lad with Thanos. You don't want to, like, copy a stone, right? Do uh, you? It's not that I, bad. I, yeah, I think that's... <laughs> you guys, I've you guys seen did. it happen. No, yeah, okay. Well, so let me okay, yeah, go say for real it. quick. So when I, I did a video on Iron Lad prior to his release saying it was probably going to be the best card in the month of May. Um, and one of the things I was saying is, like, you look at the base level for what you expect out of a four cost like uh, a white queen a rock slide things like that they all do something and their stats are around four six even yep. now they're at a four five for a few of these uh, like, like rock slide and if you have iron lad just simply draw a card like a stone does as well as do something else like a space stone effect, soul stone, mm. whatever, it's drawing a card and doing something else on a four six body. That is exactly what would be a playable card in general in that slot, especially com like combining that with Zabu and stuff like that. So I think Iron Light is really cool in a Thanos shell because not only are you copying things like a stone, which is honestly your floor, right? But it's still really, really powerful, at least on a face value. Whereas otherwise, you might be copying a Devil Dino, something like a Darkhawk, something big that can get nice big stats added onto a six power body. Overall, about Thanos in general, though, I would say the reason it's not on this list, uh, because again, I know this list used things like uh, the cube rate and win rate, stuff like that to like yep. showcase it. I guarantee you, if Thanos is down enough to be warranted to not be on the list this week, it's probably because it is a combination of A, like you're saying, a lot of new toys out, right? People yeah. are not playing it as much, so it has a lower play rate. And B, 
I think it might be the hardest deck in the game to play. Mm. Like to like like a peak efficiency, the amount of lines and plays and turns like turns where you have to like determine if you need to play out of all the stones that you have in your hand, play only one, maybe keep one back and you're actually floating energy, um, which sounds inefficient, but hand size is the thing and what you're trying to draw into might change and like board state. Thanos is very difficult to pilot at the most efficient level, especially now that you don't have the, uh, I don't want to use the term brain dead, but kind of close to that of just, I have lockjaw, I have zero cost things with Quinjet, yeah. I throw them on and I'm happy. You don't have that anymore. So the super easy route is no longer available to you. Yeah. So the only way you can play the deck is as efficiently as possible, which is proven to be kind of hard. Yeah. I think that's a great take. Uh, sounds like, uh, you know, I am one to admit when I'm wrong. And I, you guys have convinced me, uh, you know, <laughs> I, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. And what you say about the iron line, I really hadn't thought about it. Like, you know, sometimes I have these thoughts in my head and when somebody else talks to me out loud, I just realize my thoughts are stupid now. Uh, no, uh, props, I, props to the Iron Lad copying Thanos in a game where you can get all the stones in Power Stone and you pop fun. off with a yeah. 16 Iron Lad and a 20 Thanos. Yeah, no, I I think that's a really interesting take. So I, I think, again, going back to kind of what I said originally, I don't think Thanos is bad by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. I don't think he's been nerfed to unplayability no. or the surrounding cards. I think it's just, it's one of those things that maybe it's just going to take a couple more weeks, a couple more months. Somebody's going to have to, like, if somebody were to showcase it, some content creator or, you know, or to win some tournament all of a sudden, I think everybody would be playing it again, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's just one of those things that everybody's so focused on, the new cards that have been coming out lately, that we've all kind of forgot that our big our big purple friend exists, right? Um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see the future of Thanos because I, I think they want all the big bads to be played right i think that's kind of a goal of theirs to like make those high value cards that people get excited about um right. so i'd imagine if for any reason like the, the play really like dips off and stays really low like maybe they revisit i don't know right I, i'm not saying they would make any yeah. changes but like is there a card surrounding that they make slightly better that makes thanos better as well or change one of the stones right because then all right. of a sudden that maybe gets everybody look checking back in right like oh, oh yeah uh, they made a change to this one stone. Uh, maybe I should check that out and see what's going on, right? Yep, um, yep. I'm trying to think. Hey. Even just like Gene Gray into a Thanos control deck where you can slough off a stone every turn. Your opponent probably playing a yeah. higher value card could bring Thanos roaring right back. And then we've got the Yeah, I, I the think Gene Tyrant. Gray is going to be really powerful. Oh, like, especially with things like Thanos and like yes. Kitty Pride, for example. Mm -hmm. um, even something... Something that I love about card games in general, or, or what uh, I've always known them to be, uh, called engines. Um, I don't know if you guys are from like other card games. Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's very big in like Yu-Gi-Oh, for example, because the the whole thing is like archetypes. So you yep. throw in this like a Necroz engine or whatever. Which, by the way, that wouldn't happen today because Necroz died in like 2016. But regardless, um, I think it'd be really interesting. Or it is really interesting, I should say, to see Marvel Snap start to do that more. We saw that with the stature Black Bolt thing in the Darkhawk deck, right? Yeah. It's a small little package, but it's an engine that functions independently of one another, but it's not overcompassing the idea of your deck. Also, in that same deck, another engine exists in the Jeff, like, move with Polaris thing. Yep. In Miles Morales, you're not dedicated completely to a move strategy entirely, mm. but you have a little bit of this package, this little engine that gives you some flexibility in what the deck wants to do and gives you another access to work on and leverage yourself above your opponent. And any deck that can do that is really interesting. And I like that even more looking forward to Jean Grey because maybe you can do that with a Kitty Pride angela type of like a hit monkey small little package i don't know if that's going to be that good um but something like that intrigues me with a card like gene gray that might you know help fix or like uh, you know include more in that package right or that type of engine because that's sure. what is needed in this game for it to thrive because <clears throat> otherwise it's a lot of the same old same old and prior to that deck coming out the good stuff Darkhawk deck I yeah. found the deck construction itself to be lacking and kind of boring, if I'm being honest, right? It's, it's very much like, do all these cards say the same thing when you click the filter tab on the right? Yeah, play them together. Yeah. Otherwise, 
that that's there's no other deck like it and so yeah I, I would love to see as we get more and more cards more little small engines like all these things with like Thanos stuff like that and it, it's uh, the flexibility is amazing for these kind of games uh, I Which mean I, I think yeah, it brings up an interesting point of the piece that has now surpassed the good card stature being Iron Patriot has a lot of echoes of the same thing. It's a lot of tight yeah. modules in here, which props to you, Brad, calling out the Iron Lad is one of the top cards, now in one of the top decks in the meta. Do you think that this is kind of the final form of Iron Lad? Um, I, I don't know, because Iron Lad is such a difficult card to you know evaluate in terms of what is like the best thing about it, right? Or yeah. what makes the deck so good. Is it possible that patriot was something that like this particular build of patriot like iron man and stuff like that what if this was the key to being very good all along and iron lad was just something that opened people's eyes to the possibility of this build right is it iron lad project like propelling this deck upward or is it the other cards like a you know high tide raises all ships kind of thing right raising probably everything else in general so i I don't know we saw a version of this with sarah instead of iron lad before Mm -hmm. so people have been toying with it but now it's here yeah, yeah. And, and Iron Lad is just one of those cards I think can slot in very efficiently to a lot of different decks, different archetypes, things like that. If it's an on-reveal strategy, more of an ongoing thing, because the keyword is it copies its text, not just its on-reveal or whatever, like a Mystique or, uh, or doing ongoing and stuff like that. It's not pigeonholed into one thing. It's so flexible. So I don't know if this is... I, I highly doubt this is the peak of Iron Lad because... As we get more cards, there's more ways to just be like, oh my god, this slots in perfectly with the way the curve of the deck works in the four drop slot. One thing I want to last add, I guess, for Iron Lad, before we move on to the next subject. One thing to keep in mind, when you look at cards that you think might have a chance to be broken in the future, might have a chance to be way more playable or something that slots in way better, look at existing decks or look at decks that are getting more toys and more tools moving forward and evaluate what cards that you think are on the cusp if they slot in interestingly enough in both effect and more importantly the cost because if looking at like destroy packages the reason nimrod isn't played in a traditional destroy deck you have to center everything around them is because it's very awkward um i'm sorry not nimrod null uh null because it's very awkward uh, in your curve right um same with negasonic teenage warhead and even nimrod as well you want something that goes into a nice one two three four and then you have that flexibility built in on five and six whether you're going with a big six drop or a few different costs here so i think looking at iron lab moving forward see if it slots in nicely at that four drop slot with any other deck and that can give you a really good idea of how powerful a card really is yeah for sure yeah no, that makes a lot of sense. So Iron Lad is kind of the seer, you know, the seer stone, like kind of, yeah. kind of tell us the future. Uh, I like that. I think that's a, I well, think that's I mean, kind of, Howard the Duck kind of is that. Oh right? yeah. He's, I he's, mean, true. He's the real seer. It's yeah. I mean, hey, detective. If, he look, he's great with Iron Lad. Yeah. yeah I, I think I saw Howard the Duck in my first, the first matchup I've had against Howard the Duck, I oh. think uh, today. So never uh, before seen. Yeah. I was like, oh, I guess, guess I haven't seen that yet. They uh, still do that effect. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's it it's is weird. Surprising. Like, yeah. There are sometimes where like ice a card will pop up, and I'm like, I swear I've not seen you before because oh. I don't remember seeing the never before seen thing come up before. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's just like it's not coming up anyway, and I'm like, I think you're lying to me, game. No, no. I'm really, you're gaslighting me right now. I'm sure of it. <laughs> the best one is that on my free to play account, I got the first time to see High Evolutionary just yesterday because no one had ever put him to the board. I'd been playing High Evo decks nonstop. But no one had ever actually played the high Evo himself, oh, which was that's actually oh, interesting. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's true because like you'll see the effect around all the cards. Like, yes. it's a high Evo deck, yeah. but no one ever plays the namesake card. <laughs> I wonder, uh, have I even seen High Evolutionary played against me? The actual card? Yeah, you have to go no, look in here. Like, it's, I, I've seen well, it pulled down, pulled okay. down by the uh, yeah. involuntarily. Is yeah, the only exactly. Way. If I have exactly. to, well, you know. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think I've played it once or twice just because it was just. Like that's all I can do this turn is like yeah. throw these stats down. If I, if I do that, I'm already hovering over the retreat. I'm like, oh yeah, the opponent's yeah. gonna snap on me. This was this was bad. It was a bad this hand. Is, this was a mistake. Uh, no, so we're looking here at Sarah all over the place, bounce all over the place. Mm-hmm. Why is ramp not higher? It's a very good question. Um, I, I think it. I think it's honestly just boring. I think I think really? a lot of people view the deck as boring. I mean, is winning boring, Brad? <laughs> It, it's the it's the way that you're winning. It's true. It's true. Uh, it, I mean, yeah, because like 
why do you think people complain so much about Leech and Leader and things like that? Where and even Sandman to an extent before he was uh, nerfed again. Yeah. Um, why do people complain way more about that stuff, but they don't complain as much about Sarah and bounce decks, Kitty Pride, these throw up my entire hand on turn six kind of plays because that's more fun. It's splashy for you as the player. It's more fun and it's more fun in the way I guess that most people would agree with that it's fun. Yeah, because that's it's true. Yeah, it's true. It's an interesting be played a lot. It's kind of like, like if if the deck is very predictable and mm-hmm. you can't do anything about it people don't like it, which is kind of ramp. Yeah. It's lockstep what you want to play, and they follow their game plan. The opponent might be able to play out the Cosmo to stop them, but that's really all they've got. The Sarah, you can expect Sarah coming down. You're not sure exactly their combo on the final turn, and depending on what control cards you have, it's more prevalent on you being able to have some kind of counterplay there. So I think that's why probably Sarah's yeah. less complained about, and then people now are such hipsters. They're like, well, I will not stoop to ramp. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, ramp's gone through different phases of, like, higher play, lower play. But I'm I'm with kind of what Brad says. Like, I've played it when people said, oh, you got to play this deck. It's so good. It's going to win. And I'm like, okay, maybe even if I win, I'm not having fun. Uh, you know, I just... Dr. Doom into Odin, baby. Let's go. For the 10th yeah. time today. That's the deck. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. It, which is good. I mean, it, it can be very good, but I would much rather, I mean, I would take Sarah, play six cards on the last turn of the game, and I'm thinking about, do I play this one here, this one here? Oh, no, I'm going to I'm gonna pull Mal back into my hand. I'm going to shuffle him around, right? Play this one on Angela here, right? And kind of think through that last turn, like, really strategically. That yeah. just, mm-hmm. for me, is a lot more fun than play the one card, and my turn, play the one card, and my turn, play I'm, the one card, and my turn. I'm still mad about uh, Sandman being a five cost in general. I never wanted him to be a five cost. I just wanted him to have a little bit more power at four yeah. because now I can't play Ronin. That was the whole thing. Salmon on four, Ronin on five, something on six. It was it was great. Yep. Go, let's go in. back to that. But now we can't because Zabu. You so got Master sure. Mold, so they gave you something back at least. Oh, shut up. <laughs> it's such a bad... Like, the card is fine. It's like... I think that's, that's the funny thing, though. A lot of the cards that have come out in the last couple of months have been fine. Like, there's been a, quite a few this month, right, that have been, like, really, really strong, but yeah. fairly balanced as well. But there's also a decent amount where I'm just like, like, Howard the Duck, I view as just a fine card. I don't think it's bad. I think it's actually a little underrated. From what If he had released the month before, there would have been so much more hype. Same thing, I think, for Living I Tribunal. Agree. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's, just, it's just context matters. This month was so stacked. Yeah. Um, you know, like, looking at Master Mold, that's another card that's fine negasonic teenage warhead that's a fine card and i don't think that means they're bad i don't think think that means they're even just like average i think that means that they are playable to uh, within the certain context of metas and decks and things like that but they're not going to just blow you away like something as flashy as high evolutionary that does, yeah. but that doesn't mean every card needs to be that because otherwise the meta would actually suffer quite a bit in that case right yeah yeah, like, for sure. It would feel did like we all, power did we all have a lot of fun and... playing against nothing but high evolutionary for that day and a half, two days. I didn't. I, I, I was. I had the least amount of fun playing Snap in the entirety of the game, more so than the Shuri meta, more so than the Thanos Lockjaw meta. Um, I, I the Zabu Surfer meta. All those were at least I saw different things. <laughs> this yeah. was horrible. Seeing nothing but those stupid glowing effects around every single card that was played. It was so stupid. Uh, but yeah, don't let's uh, let's not do that, please. Let's not have everyone yeah. the same card again. Yeah, I I think it is it is hard. I mean, that's going back to locations, right? That's one of the reasons people didn't love Forty Eight Hours featured location. That was like yeah. a really kind of throw the game location because it's just like okay, everybody's playing like when it was lamentous one it's like okay throw death oh. in there oh yeah, throw yeah, yeah. the lamentous deck building was hilarious right it's just like you're like okay like if i if the location pops up i snap i win the game and well it was right. also a hot location wasn't it too like it was a feature location first and people were like because i remember seeing people going like you gotta play this and then i remember i swear it was like a hot location it came like, back again, like, like, like maybe like a month exactly, later. But, yeah. It may have come back. I don't remember. Because I remember yeah. it happening happening again where I saw nothing but Lamentus for like a couple of days. I'm like, why? We just had this. 
Like it yeah. was frustrating because I'm uh, not, not because I don't like the location. I think that location is one of the best in the game. It's it is very, very interesting, interesting. Yes. Right. But that doesn't mean I want to see it every game. Uh, similarly enough, the three that they removed last week in the patch uh, announcement, right? Wild. Uh, Plunder Castle. Um, what was it? Uh, it was the... the uh, Milano. Bar Milano, Milano and... Sandbar. And Sandbar. Okay. Milano and Sandbar, you know, that's, that's whatever. I think Sandbar is a bit more annoying. Uh, I, I saw. I think I saw the writing on the wall. I think most people did when that one was announced as like being yeah. in the game. And I was like, this sounds horrible. A lot of Patriot. Yeah. Whereas I think Plunder Castle, I actually don't think it was that bad of a location. I think maybe they should have increased the rarity a little bit instead of it being a common uh, location, which is uh, what it was at for a while. Because um, I think it's nice to have that type of uh, restriction and, you know, playability around something, especially with them, things like Jeff and, uh, you know, maybe you wave into other things uh, to, you know, get in there earlier. Um, obviously, you can't do that with the six drop because it's the four cost now. But I mean, like extension over to that location. I, I yeah. like those type of restrictions. I actually hope. I, I kind of want that one to come back as the same thing. I'm fine with them changing the other two. I don't want that one reworked as much. I, I feel like I'm very alone in saying that <laughs> for mo- the most part in this community. What if it was just opened up to like six and five or something? Just do your last yeah, two I, end I, game I think genre. I think, but I think there's also too much five cost location things. Right, like, oh, turn there? five, like, there's, turn there's five Dream stuff. Dimension, yeah, Dream Dimension mm. makes everything cost one. Which, by the way, if there's one that I hate in the oh, game yes, more please, than anything, get, it's Dream Dimension. Get that one out of because, here. Like, I can't, I can't put down my Sarah on turn five yeah. if it costs six. Yeah, the only re- the Magic only time I've actually, actually been happy dead. or okay with seeing it was uh, I've been playing a little bit of the High Evolutionary Lockdown, or at least a version of it. Yeah, and that one you really want to go into um, Spider Man on five, and I'm like, this is fine. I can still Spider-Man on five. It's pretty, exactly. pretty nice. I don't get the float, but it's whatever. But otherwise, any other deck that I'm playing, I am vehemently upset when I see that card or I'm yeah. sorry, that location. Yeah, same. So, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah. but I don't know. Maybe they just should slow down on locations for a bit. We have a lot. Yeah, they kind of are releasing fewer now. It's just yeah, two a season. We'll get the re-releases of these. We'll see if they have like a, a list of problematic locations and they'll pull another three for reworks and kind of cycle a little bit and then bring out fresh stuff later on. I don't know, because they've tied up so much of their identity into the variable locations and not always being new and fresh there. So, But honestly, I don't think people would be mad if they were like, we're going to go on a two-month location hiatus. I don't think people would be mad about that. But Sounds like Rainbow no. Six Siege. I don't know if either <laughs> of you played that game, uh, but they had... Uh... They've had that where they pretty much stopped making new maps for a little bit. Yeah. Um, they were just doing reworks of maps. They even had, um, they stopped releasing new weapons into the game as well. Uh, they just basically, a new operator comes out. Um, they're like, yeah, they get one of the existing weapons for their loadout. Yep. Um, and people were upset about that kind of thing at first, but like, it ended up being very good for the game because it, it was at a point where it was like overkill. It's year nine in the game now. You can, we're okay with having. 45 50 guns in the game we don't need another 20 that are gonna just not be used right yep so yep shots fired if they could say i'm not going to release new locations for the next two months but i'm going to fix the lockjaw bug and all these other known bugs i'd be like yes dude yeah give me it i would love an operation (laughs) health for this game please that'd be fantastic oh my god i would be so like the lockjaw bug where did that come from by the way because that that wasn't always a thing Uh, like no what it's what the happened? best thing when it's a thanos and you get like legs of a character coming off of yes. a stone and it looks like yes. an mmm M&M, uh character yeah. or like yeah. uh, the old raisin man that they used to sell yeah. little dolls yeah. of in like the, yeah. the 80s yeah. and 90s it gets me every time but it's so annoying when i click on it and can't see what it is yeah, yeah it's it's really frustrating um and i feel like yeah the game needs a bit more quality of life changes also things like uh I, I, do you guys keep up with the uh, ask the team thing on the Discord mm-hmm. or whatever? Yeah, a little bit. The, someone asked again, "When are we getting the uh, like a destroy tab or like a discard a tab?" And they're like, "We want to do it at some point, but other things are taking priority right now." Yeah. And they said they said conquest mode and then something else. Um, uh, and it's I like was a PC like, "PC widescreen or something?" Yeah, PC widescreen is the other one. Yeah. And I was like, I was a little confused at the conquest mode one. Because I was like, that's been announced for a little bit. What do you mean? Are we going to get it? Because that's supposed to come out June, is what yeah. they said originally. Yep. Yeah, they've been radio silent on the entire mode ever since they announced it on that roadmap. 
and said the June release date? Are they going to push it back? Are there, are there issues with it? Do they have to dedicate more team members to it suddenly last second because they got to prioritize that release to be on time? I'm very confused about the whole thing. Even being a part of the creator program, I'm like, I would like some more information, please. Yeah, <laughs> I just, I'm kind of something. expecting it like in the mid-season patch that we'll get info here on the next developer update that we'll get like right before the season drops. They'll hype it up and they'll be like, in the mid-season mid patch, you'll get to experience conquest mode. Because that's kind of how Friendly Battles came out, right? They, they had to guess a, a little dribble, but then they kind of just all dropped it on us and then it was all there and working, which was great because yeah. even had been walking back that there might be region locked matchmaking they were like nope it's open you can do tournaments and everything and and it feels like friendly yeah. battles was everything they promised so i'm hoping they'll do it again but this time they're trying to tie mind. in like shops and progression elements on the um, conquest mode progression as well so they could be tinkering there to see like what they want to offer with the digital economy and that ties into the whole other like monetizing subject which is a is a can of worms but that could be what yeah holding don't up. don't think we're going to open that one today we, <laughs> all right, all right. we we like to open it often but uh yeah i don't don't think we have quite have time for that today but fair, fair. Um, yeah it'll be interesting to see we will get that kind of season video over the next couple of days actually yeah. so we'll see what do they tell us is happening in in the month of june right so we will we will see that we will dissect that and kind of understand what is coming uh, but I want to kind of close out, go to our last topic of the day. And I'm going to go to this next slide, which was supposed to be a GIF. But guess what? The GIF didn't work. Uh, so it's just a still <laughs> shot of Captain America. Uh, but I will describe the GIF to you because that's the best way to consume <laughs> a GIF uh, is to be described the GIF. Um, it's Captain America talking like to his wrist, like some kind of speaker. But then he's like shifting into a scroll right? Because it's actually a scroll. It's not Captain America. Mm -hmm. uh, so I looked up, I, I was just looking this up before I was looking up like Marvel change gifts, like just like looking at random stuff. And this was yeah, the yeah. one that came up. So, um, so I alluded kind of at the beginning that uh, kind of some changes and future stuff of the podcast. So I want to kind of transition to that for our last few minutes. Um, so this will actually be my last episode as the full-time host of the can't stop snapping podcast. Uh, this is something that's kind of been coming in the background for a little while now. Uh, just, uh, there, there's a lot of things with life, uh, my job, my day job, family, other things that it's just kind of got to a point where it doesn't feel sustainable for me to continue the podcast. Uh, but I'm happy to report. I have two great, uh, people that will be taking over hosting duties of the podcast and their names are Teddy Ninja and Brad Sifer. Who are here with me today yeah uh so i'm very excited to announce that to the listeners um so uh, very excited very grateful for you two being willing to kind of take this on and, and continue this this podcast forward just a couple of notes with that um uh the podcast will continue to be available if you're listening to this on a podcasting platform right now that's where this podcast will still be available going forward if you're watching or listening to this on youtube uh, there will be a new location in the near future where the podcast will be available. Stay tuned to the Can't Stop Snapping Twitter account to know kind of where that will be because uh, that will change. So there will be a new location where you'll be finding those episodes. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know what else to say other than you guys kind of said maybe let's kind of go down memory lane maybe for a couple minutes and talk through. So I don't know if you oh, guys have course, any questions or, or things you guys want to uh, kind of talk about here. Yeah, uh, mad respect to you, Blue Spruce, starting this one up. You pioneered the Snap podcast way. We always say, well, give us the first episode because you were here now that everybody has a podcast, right? But you were the the original. Yeah, so I just the, it was basically like a day or two after the game had been announced and they were starting to announce the beta. I don't even think anybody had played in the beta yet. And I just said, you know what? I've always wanted to make a podcast. I've never known what to do, but I like Marvel and I like card games and I want to make a podcast. So this seems like the the recipe for success here. So yeah, I just started it. Um, you know, the first episode probably got like 70 listens, which at the time felt like, wow, you know, like I went from zero to 70 uh, in one week. This is great. Um, and then from there, I started bringing on guests and guests and, and started to ramp up. And yeah, uh, it was kind of, it was kind of no man's land there at the beginning. A lot of people were doing Twitch and YouTube content, but not a lot of people were doing podcasts. Uh, today, a lot of people, a lot of the bigger creators have started podcasts, but uh, it's kind of fun to say like, yeah, we've been going for over a year, right? That's like, yeah. that's how long Marvel Snap has even been announced or even been known of. So 
Yeah. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. We, we were, uh, we were talking about a couple different things. Uh, just like we've had a bunch of different creators on the show and, and like Binks was on the third ever episode. Binks, if uh, I'm guessing you're not listening to this, maybe you're listening to this, but uh, you know, I, I've talked with Binks and I remember like shouting out Binks early on. I was like, congrats to Binks for getting 300 YouTube subscribers. Right. Uh, because before Marvel snap, he had less than a hundred. And so it felt like this big milestone and it's just kind of crazy. It puts into perspective. So many people have grown their content creation with Marvel snap. Right. I've seen lots of people that, you know, have done content creation for years, but Marvel snap has really kind of taken them to a new level, which has been oh, yeah. really exciting to be a part of it and, and watch as it's happened. Um, uh, one other thing I wanted to share, which is just kind of a funny thing. Um, when I first put out the podcast, uh, and somebody said, you know, is it on YouTube? I'm looking for it on YouTube. This is before the podcast was available on YouTube. Yeah. They had searched can't stop snapping on YouTube. And this is the video that came up. I'm going to play it for you guys. Oh, now. perfect. <laughs> um, I'm snapping. I can't stop. Uh, so that's the video this random person on the internet uh, sent me. And they just said, like, I searched your podcast on YouTube, and this is what came up as the first result. Uh, this video with 50 views <laughs> from 10 years ago. So uh, that's always just been kind of like an inside joke to me and, and uh, kind of my family ever since uh, that moment. But uh, yeah, obviously now if you search Can't Stop Snapping on YouTube, uh, the episodes of the podcast come up. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a fun journey. Um, and, and I just really enjoyed this. And I, and I appreciate you guys and so many other creators out there kind of being a part of this and uh, obviously helping the podcast to grow. Um but yeah, looking forward to what you two do as you take over and excited to listen. Uh, it'll be kind of a unique experience to switch from host to listener, you know, a weekly listener. But I'm excited to make that transition because, you know, I've rated my own podcast on the podcasting apps to you know make my rating higher. But I ever, ever, haven't ever actually listened to the podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> other than maybe, you know, I had to listen to one episode so I could rate it yeah, yeah. Uh, early on when I was, you know, I, I don't have any ratings. I need to get five stars. But um, yeah. Uh, just excited, excited to see the future of the podcast and excited to kind of see what comes next. Um, yeah. It's also worth uh, noting that this uh, will not be the last time you hear from or see uh, our wonderful Bruce Bruce right here because you will be featured on as a guest anytime, always. You're always welcome to come back on. We would love to have you. This is your baby. You started it. It would be ridiculous to not have you back on as many times as possible moving forward and, yeah uh, especially you know it'd be, it'd be nice to you know it, it's gonna be interesting to check in with you when you're on next and just be like how everything's been how life's been going and stuff like that yeah and then we get to maybe get uh get pick your brain a bit it's like hey how we doing do you you, you, do you like us doing this you hate us what, what, what you got what, what's your notes <laughs> yeah no I'm, I'm excited for that moment it will be fun to have you guys kind of ask me the questions pick my brain uh, uh and i'm excited for that that opportunity to come back on in the future so appreciate that yeah, do you have uh, anything to say to somebody out there that might be thinking about starting their own podcast? Maybe not in Marvel Snap, but just wherever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I've actually had some people ask me that uh, outside of the Marvel Snap community, right? Yeah. Um, uh, just in my normal work life, if you will, and, and education life. Um, and I definitely think finding kind of a, a niche, a, a niche market, something you can kind of have your own spin on, is helpful. But I, I also think just like the community aspect really is what has built this podcast, right? Um, you know, I wasn't a content creator. I didn't have that luxury of people already knowing me and just like attaching my name to something and everybody wanted to watch it. I really had to build it and build it with people that sometimes with people that had already big followings and sometimes people that like had like three Twitch viewers, right? Uh, but they all kind of, we all built it together. I supported them. They supported me. You know, I got more exposure for them. They got more exposure for me, et cetera. So I'd say finding a community that you can kind of build with uh, is just my ultimate piece of advice. I think that's what's worked for me. Uh, finding finding a community that you can grow in and grow with has been what's kind of made this podcast into what it is today. Yeah. Um, do you have any um, Do you have any high points? Any uh, favorite moments? Any favorite segments or whatever? Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything that's memorable for you? If you If you could have a plaque on the wall that was an audio segment of the show. And it would just play whenever you waved your hand in front of it. What would it be? Um, oh, man. There, there's a lot to uh, 
I'll, I'll say a couple quick ones, but uh, I remember just really early on, I was like, I don't want to look at leaked cards. Like I just felt like dirty. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I'm like cheating or like doing something wrong. But uh, man, we kind of threw that out the window after a little bit. It was like, no, let's let's look at every unreleased card and let's talk about every time there's leaked changes and stuff like that. So that's kind of funny, just seeing the difference. Um, but I think just uh, being willing to be honest and, and uh, like when second dinners got it wrong and being willing to be frank in those conversations, uh, I think back to the Nexus events, that was the first time that felt like that happened right uh we had our nexus events episode it was just kind of like are we good like do we even want to still do this podcast like do we want to still do content creation for this game right like that's how a lot of people felt at the time and just um i think it's like i I wouldn't consider myself like a journalist or reporting things but that's kind of how it felt was like calling out something that was wrong it didn't feel right and kind of helping expose that and talk through that that hopefully helped push second dinner in the right direction so i think covering I've loved covering the highs, but I've loved covering the lows and just trying to be kind of brutally honest when the things uh, have got rough. Um, uh, And and then just kind of my last thing, I I think uh, hopefully people have found it interesting. I've tried to bring in my day job into this, right? I work as a software product manager. So like I work with teams building software every day, all day. And so I try to bring that perspective to it, right? Because like we're all gamers. We all like to play that and I'm a gamer too. But, uh, you know, I think it can be sometimes that gets overlooked of like, hey, there's real people and real process and real challenges to building things and uh, and getting it right. Like you may think people are going to love this or it's going to be OK. You get it out in front of customers and they hate it. Right. And that, that happens to me in my real life job. Right. My my uh, my day job. And so uh, just hopefully having some empathy for second dinner as well. I hope we've tried to have some empathy on this podcast of, yes, they get it wrong sometimes, but sometimes the the things that get wrong are small enough. And I think it's just due to, Hey, building software is hard and understanding your customer and building the right things for your customers hard. So I think they get it right more often than they get it wrong. And hopefully they continue in that direction. Yeah. We'll awesome. Okay. Well, we're, we're over an hour here, you know, normally we like to keep it under an hour, but I appreciate you guys like letting me take some time here to just kind of close this out. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing you guys in the next episode. Uh, listeners, I just can't say how much I appreciate the thousands of you who listen to this podcast every week. Really appreciate your you being fans of the show and, and coming back week after week. It's meant the world to me. Um, and we will all catch you in the next episode. Thanks. Can't Stop Snapping is a podcast written, recorded, produced, and hosted by Michael Thurman. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.